there's a common thread with successful individuals. They've worked hard, but they've also made hundreds, if not thousands of mistakes. What if you could learn from their mistakes without any consequences? What if you could hear from talented individuals who have achieved great success in their given field? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to shorten your learning curve, learn from the best, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. I'm your host, Mike Perry, and welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Perry, and today we have the opportunity to speak with Michael Parkhurst. Now, Mike has been a professional soccer player for the last 15 years, and he recently just retired. He's got a pretty amazing resume. He's played in the MLS for 10 years. He played in Europe for five years. He's an MLS Cup champion. He's played in the Open Cup, the Danish Cup. He's played with the national team in the Gold Cup, and he's also played in the 2008 Olympics. Mike has a pretty awesome story, and today we're going to talk about the keys to his success, the lessons he's learned along the way, and we're also going to talk about how playing soccer professionally has shaped his life after soccer, but also the lessons he learned from soccer and how he applies those being a husband and being a dad. Stay tuned because this is going to be pretty awesome. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose podcast, and I am here today with Michael Parkhurst. Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Mike. Good to talk to you. I know it's been a while, but uh, you know, friendships never die, so it's it's good to be on. That's it. That's it, man. It's yeah, it's good to hear your voice. Like I said, it's uh probably been probably been a few years since we actually talked, and and you know, when I was lucky enough to have the opportunity working with you, is probably almost gosh, almost maybe. 12 years ago, 11 years ago when, when we had the opportunity to train together. So it's been, it's been quite a journey for both of us for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Back in the good old days when we were young and and kidless and (laughs) a lot more time on our hands. Exactly. So, Hey, how are you handling the, uh, the quarantine so far? What have you been up to? Living down here in Atlanta, we've got great weather. So, um, you know, we get to try and get the homeschooling done in the morning and, and, and to be fair, my wife's been great about that. So she's mostly in charge of that. And I, I try and get some meetings and, and calls done in the morning so that when the kids are done after lunch, uh, I can play with them in the backyard and go outside, go for bike rides. Um, my son and I have snuck on a golf course a couple of times in the evenings and played a little golf. So, you know, there's there's small little upsides that uh, probably wouldn't have occurred if, if we had our crazy schedule of, of kids sports all over the place every day. So um you know, trying to make the most of it. It's not easy by any stretch, but um, hey, this is life, and uh, you know, you got to adapt to it. Absolutely, I do. Uh, I do enjoy the extra time with the boys. Uh, you know, just going out in the backyard and playing, and going in the woods, and just doing a few different things. So, you know, this is something that you know down the road we're going to look back and say, ah, oh, you know, I'm glad I had that quality time because you know they're only young once. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and things. I mean, our normal schedule is just so hectic. You know, with my son playing two sports, my daughter playing one plus school and she's doing chorus and it's our, our jobs and just, it's just crazy sometimes. So, um, you know, to live this really low key, relaxed lifestyle right now, it's a different change of pace. So there, there's definitely some positives to it. Okay. So, uh, 
Well, listen, man, I, you know, I'm with you and it's, it's just crazy. It's going to be one of those things where again, it's going to be, it's going to be good stories down the road. I'm hoping, I'm hoping there's not going to be too many negative stories from this, but, um, anyway, so, uh, listen, let's, let's talk about you and what you've been up to. Um, you know, you've played soccer your whole life, basically from like the age of six and, you know, you played high school, you played uh, club, you played college and, and 15 years in a, as a pro and you retired. Was it last year? Yeah, so it was uh, the f- season finished uh, October, November sometime. So uh, yeah, it's been uh, a few months now. Awesome. Are you uh, are you missing playing at all? Are you enjoying retirement? Like, where's your head at? Yeah, um, I mean, in that sense, I think I picked a, a good season to end on um, because... <laughs> you know all those guys are in the same boat as the rest of us they're they're not doing anything uh so i think that this time would have been really challenging for me as a professional especially as an older professional you know it's those breaks that are so difficult you know as you get older to get back into it you know preseason was so difficult for me my last year that's when i kind of knew like oh man this might be it so i can't imagine like going through a preseason then playing two or three games and then having this pandemic occur and then trying to get back from this so honestly um i'm not i'm not missing it too much um i mean i miss i miss being in the locker room and, and the camaraderie and and uh talking to the guys um but you know they're not doing that either right now um so I guess it's a good year to, to retire. <laughs> there you go. You, you planned it perfectly. Well done. Um, so, you know, was there anything specific uh, within the last year or so that you decided, Hey, listen, it's, it's time. Was there like an injury or it, did you just feel like, Hey, this, this was, this was finally it. I've had a good run. Yeah. I think it was a, it was a couple things. So uh, thankfully no severe injuries, um, but uh, finally won the cup. The, my second to last year and obviously getting older I think I was 34 at the time then so turned 35 right as my final season started um, which is old for a soccer player um, so I knew going into the season that you know hey this could be it and then like I said preseason was really really difficult for me getting the body going again um, getting up to speed was really challenging and um, I, I did get there and I felt good and um, had a good start to the season but then um, uh, I lost my spot on the team to a younger a younger guy who's a stud from actually from upper up around where you are miles Robinson from Massachusetts and and he's a great guy and he's gonna be absolutely amazing um, but Nonetheless, I was on the bench and, um, you know, that gave me time to reflect a little bit and I didn't want to end my career as a a bench player. And I know that some guys want to just continue on and play as long as possible. Um, but that, that wasn't it for me. You know, it wasn't as joyful, you know, I I was being a good teammate supporting miles and the rest of the team. But, um, for me, it just wasn't the same and I didn't want to continue to do that. And obviously as you get older, that becomes uh, more of a reality. So I kind of knew mid season that, you know what, I think this is it for me. And, um, you know, thankfully I got to play most of the games down the stretch and, and end on a high note because I also wanted to make sure that I ended my career playing well uh, and look back on those final performances uh, with my head held high and, and I can do that. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, you played 15 years in a pro and then, you know, you played college and then you were at the IMG Academy prior to that. I mean, that's, that's almost like 25 years of competitive soccer. And I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of that because, you know, I, I got to kick around with you guys and we get to play a little bit. And um, I can't imagine physically how your bodies have held up over those years. Um, you know, physically, it's just got to be so tough. I mean, I'm, I'm 40 and I haven't touched a soccer ball in quite some time. I, I'm doing some other sports, but um, physically, man, it just the, the years of the wear and tear, that's going to be one of the hardest things, huh? Oh, absolutely. Uh, definitely. I mean, my body feels great right now. Um, you know, it's nice not to wake up and your ankle bothering you, your knee, your hamstring, your calf, and just little minor things. I mean, knock on wood, I, I was so healthy throughout my career. I had some shoulder issues recurrently, but lower body wise, I was really healthy um, for most of my career. But that being said, as you know, any athlete knows there's always little aches and pains. Um, you know, it's stuff you got to play through and, and you, you fight through all the time, especially as every season gets on. And so, yeah, the body just, it takes a beating. And um, there's definitely every now and then where I'll get up and like, my hip is bothering me or, you know, I can't bend my leg for too long, like sitting in a movie theater or at a baseball game or something. Like I have to stretch my, my knees. I mean, they just tighten up. So it's little things. Um, I'm going to need a new shoulder at some point in my life. I'm sure of it. But, um, yeah, I think that the body, you know, it got accustomed to it and it, it held up really well for me. And I, I, took great care of it um you know ever since working out with you way back in the day but um you know definitely that's one thing that i won't miss is the the feeling of waking up achy and, and with pain yeah i can't imagine you know the over the years you know you play like a saturday night game and sunday morning wakes up um you know i don't want to speak for you but i get I, I guarantee you're probably not missing how your body feels on those sunday mornings when you just played you know a full match no, definitely. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes it's really difficult to sleep after games, especially if it's a night game. So, you know, the kids are waking you up and you've only got five hours of sleep. You, you know, you played 90 minutes, you're still dehydrated, all that stuff. So yeah, I, I don't miss those mornings at all. Yeah. So let, let's talk about your career for a little bit. Um, so you, you played, you know, professionally for 15 years. And, and one of the things that, um, you know, I had noticed early on, and, and this was a, what a lot of other people said, is that you were a very cerebral player. Your ability to to read the game and to just understand what's going on around you was definitely one of your strong points. Obviously, you know, you're always fit. You're always a strong guy. You're always conditioned. But do you, did you knowingly kind of address the game with with that cerebral mindset, or was it something that you just had developed over time? Yeah, I think it was something that um... – I, I was born with a little bit um, and I developed over time. I mean, I knew that it was a strength of mine and, you know, I wasn't physically gifted with, you know, a six foot two specimen like body. You know, I, I've always been undersized, um, under muscled and, and all that. Um, so, you know, you have to take advantage of the gifts that you do have and how do you make those better and, and take advantage of them. And, and so for me, it was always, you know, my soccer IQ being a step ahead and understanding that I needed to focus on that in order to have success, especially as I played against more and more athletic players as, as uh, you know, I got through my career. 
Um, so it's definitely something that's, you know, watching film, you learn from, you recognize things out on the field and, and just trying to take advantage of that and, and use that, uh, skill you know, to my benefit, because I wasn't going to beat many forwards in physical confrontations or, or speed races. Um, so I, I had to do it a different way. Yeah, it's it's one of those scenarios. And, and of all the people I've talked to, there's this reoccurring theme of, you know, play to your strengths, but obviously continue to develop your weaknesses. You're a guy that, like you said, you were undersized, you weren't, you know, you weren't built like, a, you know, like a <laughs> a receiver in the NFL, but you had to do something to uh, step up your game and also be successful. And that's, that's a, again, a reoccurring theme that I see with a lot of people um, going into, you know, games where maybe you had a matchup where you knew that was going to be tough. Like what were you thinking ahead of time? What was going through your mind when you're like, Hey, I'm playing against this guy or this guy. And what were your, what was your strategy going into how you were going to perform? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, I think that y you have to prepare. Um, you know, obviously, one of the keys to success is preparation, and, and everybody everybody does it a little bit differently. But for me, it was always you know watching a little bit of video on on the opponent. You know, thankfully, you know after after you play for a number of years, you play against guys and you see them again, so you you already know some of their tendencies and things. But it's always nice to get a little fresh picture of what they've been doing lately and their movement on 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 the ball off the ball um what they what they tend to do in and around the box those types of things so that you know when the ball's in certain situations in a game you know, i'm not guessing you know what he's doing um uh, or i'm not reacting to his movement i'm kind of a, a half a step ahead um knowing where he wants to be or what he wants to do um but also it's it's analyzing the player you know how can i use my strengths uh, against his weaknesses you know what are his strengths and how how can i neutralize them given um you know my playing style and it was always different you know if i was going up against like somebody like Josie Altador who i knew was you know, bigger and stronger than me and, and sometimes likes to post up. It was the mind frame was I, I'm not going to let him feel me. Like if he can feel me, then he knows where I am. He can out muscle me and he can do what he wants with me. But, um, you know, when I was going up against somebody like him, it was, it was give him space, let him not have any idea where I am. You know, that way I can try and intercept passes or, um, you know, if I won't let him spin me and, and use his strength against me. Um, you know, if I was going up against somebody that was really fast, um, you know, it's giving yourself an extra yard or two. Um, on the backside so that they don't beat you over the top or, or getting little bumps to their shoulder to knock their runs off. Uh, little things like that that, you know, you, you get used to uh, with experience. Yeah, that's it's interesting you say that because you're really – you're not going to play their game because you know if you play their game, it's not going to it's not going to work. And you're in a way you're imposing your will and your game onto them because, like you said, if 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 they can't feel you and they're trying to, you know, post up and receive the ball with their back to the net or wherever, then obviously if you're really tight to them, they can use their their physical strength and their speed to to get one step ahead. But like you said, you you uh, you changed your tactics a little bit and you went in with a slightly different mindset because you knew that if you played their game, it wasn't going to work. That's interesting. I, I would have never thought of that, but it makes perfect sense now that you brought it up. No, oh, exactly. And I think a lot of people think that, you know, as a defender, especially, you know, you always need to be physical and you always need to be tough. And, and there are certain times when that 
is is necessary, but it's not always, you know, I think that you you need to use your brain in some aspects. Like you're not going to go blow for blow against Zlatan, you know, when you're playing against him, that's just silly, right? You're not going to get the best of that physically. Um, so I don't, I don't know why you would try and play physical against Zlatan. Um, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, and, and Josie's the same way. He's just built like a tank. Um, you know, so, so certain guys, you, you just can't, you got, you got to stay away from that. Yeah. You can't be one dimensional in your, in your ability to play too. You, you know, if you're the fast guy, you can't only use speed. Um, you have to use every, everything that you have and put it together to create, you know, to create your game and to put yourself in a scenario where you're going to be the most successful. Um, was there, you know, growing up and playing, was there a certain point where maybe you had a coach or a mentor, or maybe it was uh, someone else in your life that, you know, made you aware of sort of your gift of having that cerebral mindset and then encourage that? Is there anyone particular that helped you along the way? Um, I had a really, really good coach in high school down at IMG. Uh, his, his name was Tom Durkin and he still coaches a little bit. And, um, he taught me a lot about tactics and I, you know, growing up in soccer and the day and age that, you know, we grew up, tactics was, you know, didn't exist really. Um, you know, Americans, we were so new to the game. And so we didn't know of different styles and, and really how to, how to understand how to play the game. Um, you know, we're catching up now, but we, we've been far behind for a while. But he taught me um, in high school different things um, to be aware of. And he knew that I was um, gifted and could understand and see what he saw. And, um, you know, so we had a good relationship where he knew um, that I got it mentally, even though sometimes I couldn't always do it physically. He, he knew that I had the brain where he could talk about certain things and tell me about certain situations. Um, you know, and, and he was hard on guys and he was hard on me sometimes, but, you know, I think that was just because he had that, that expectation of me being able to handle it, me being able to, to do it. And, uh, I respected him for that. And he, I learned a ton from him, um, in that regard. Yeah. I mean, constructive criticism is a blessing in my mind. And so many people are afraid to be told, Hey, you're not good at this. or You're not good at this, or maybe you should do this. But, um, I, I can name several experiences in my life where, you know, someone gave me criticism on something and maybe initially I didn't like the criticism because no one likes to be told that they're not good at something. But I knew that after I digested it and got over it, um, that that was good advice. And, um, it's, you know, it's, I'm glad to see that, um, <clears throat> you're talking about that because, so many people just want the, you know, to be told that they're great and that, hey, dude, you're killing it and you're a rock star. But, it, you know, the, the most impactful mentors, coaches, people in your life are the ones that are going to they're going to give it to you straight and they're going to tell you the truth, whether you like it or not. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. And I think, you know, everything in this day and age is different. And, you know, we could always be the old guys saying like, oh, back in the day, da, 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 da. But there is definitely something um, to be said for coaches that are a little bit more um, tough on players and, and tough in a good way. You know, like we said, being honest with you and, um, you know, my son's coach right now, I love him. He's uh, he's one of those guys that will just tell him exactly how it is and, you know, ride him a little bit, um, you know, tell him they've done a great job when they've done a great job, but also be, uh, critical of them when they're not doing well and they're only nine years old. So it's, we're not talking craziness, but you know, he, he's not afraid to yell at them. And 
for me, I love it. Like I love my son, you know, getting yelled at every now and then so that he knows like, Oh, he's not perfect and doesn't do everything great. Uh, you know, just like I didn't when I was young and the rest of us, nobody is perfect, but, um, you know, that's, that's the beauty of coaching and finding great coaches and, and good leaders of how do they push their players and, and get, push the right buttons and motivate them, um, you know, in a constructive, you know, usually positive, but, uh, honest way. Yeah. And, and those lessons, you know, that everybody learns when they're younger, hopefully those people that have had a positive impact on your life, those lessons, whether it's from sports or life will, will carry over. I remember growing up and, and playing high school soccer and I was a decent high school soccer player, but I remember <laughs> my high school coach being like, Perry, you know, get your head out of your ass. Like, and I, I still remember that today. And even if I'm doing other things in my life, not just soccer related, it's like, yeah, I, I just got to get my head out of my butt, man. Like I just gotta, <laughs> I just gotta get going. And, uh, uh, the truth is, is my head has been, you know, pretty far up my butt for 40 years now. So at this point, I don't think it's coming out, but, um, but yeah, so let me ask you this, at what point in your career did you maybe think or know, Hey, I've, I've got a pretty good opportunity to maybe make a career out of this. Was it high school? Was it in college? Yeah, I think the goal, you know, in this pandemic, I've been able to talk to a bunch of different teams and kids. And that's a question that comes up, you know, as I'm talking to the younger generation. And for me, it was always, um, I want to, I want to play at college. Um, you know, I knew that I wanted to go to college and, um, I wanted to play there and I wanted to get a scholarship. So, you know, I think that, before high school, I just knew that I liked it. I also played baseball growing up. I loved baseball. Um, you know, so when an opportunity came up to go to IMG and it was kind of last minute, um, that was when I started to focus solely on soccer. I probably would have played baseball had I just gone to um, high school in so in Rhode Island. I, I would have played both sports. But because I went down to IMG, the boarding school, I focused strictly on soccer. So that's kind of when I was like, all right, well, I want to, I want to play in college. And it wasn't until I think my, my freshman year of college, we had a very good team. We were ranked number one in the country at Wake Forest and uh, I was a starter and it did really well. So at that point, I think I knew that, okay, I think that I, I might be able to be a professional. Um, but before that, it was always, you know, just take it to the next level, take it to high school, start on the high school team. Okay. I can do that. Okay. Now I want to take it to college. Um, so for me, it was always step-by-step. Step. I knew that I wasn't good enough coming out of college, coming out of high school to go to, to go pro. Um, so for me, it was always step-by-step. Step. Awesome. So there's two things that I want to talk about based off your reply. So one, you played another sport growing up and you played baseball and, uh, there's this big, conversation about early specialization and at what age kids should do what. And uh, when I was talking to Chris Tierney the other day about it, uh, you know, it's, it was one of those scenarios where yes, you should be playing multiple sports growing up, but we also understand that there is a certain point in your career. And usually it's around high school where people say, Hey, I'm going to focus on just that one thing. Um, but going back to playing baseball, do you feel that baseball playing baseball and playing a sport that's very very different from soccer played a role in your professional career as a soccer player yeah i don't know honestly i mean i know that you know some experts talk about different things and hand-eye coordination and um developing different body parts um so i i don't know the exact correlation um i i 
I'm sure it helped with overall athleticism in some way. Um, you know, maybe being able to see the field a little bit better, um, thinking ahead. You know, I, I remember when I was, you know, playing second base, it was always like, okay, if the ball comes to me, where am I going to throw it? Um, you know, so maybe relate that to the soccer field. And I'm, you know, when I was on the field, I was always thinking, you know, shoot, if this guy gets it, where should I go? You know, if, if the ball goes here, where am I going to go? Um, those types of things. So maybe there's some correlations. Absolutely. But, um, I, I loved baseball. Shoot. I honestly, as to this day, I still do. Um, you know, and, and my, I'm so glad my son loves it. He loves both. So he plays both. Um, I'll, I'll encourage him to do it as long as he can. It, it's challenging though. Um, not only for him, but for parents, because like you said, they, the sports these days, they want kids to specialize at such a young age. They make it really difficult. Um, you know, even with my son, like I tell him my coach, like, no, he's like, he's going to miss this game because he's got a baseball game and he wants to play baseball. And they kind of look at you like, what are you doing right now? Like, get your life in order. What, what are you talking about baseball? And I'm looking at him like, shoot, he's eight years old. What are you talking about? Uh, so it, it is honestly crazy at youth sports these days. But, um, you know, it's it's sad that some kids miss out on the opportunity to play multiple sports and, and enjoy that time with friends and the bond um, because that was a huge part of it growing up for me. Yeah, I, uh, I think about all the guys that I grew up playing with and uh, it was – uh, some of the best memories I've ever had. And, you know, the, the, the thing that kids, uh, that not kids, but coaches need to realize is they're kids. Like they're not signing their contract at age 10, right? And they should be having fun. And honestly, that one Saturday or Sunday game that they miss, big picture, is not going to make any impact whatsoever on that athletic career. Like no one's going to go back and be like, well, the reason why I didn't make it is because when I was 10, I had to choose a baseball game over a soccer game. Like that's, that's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So I think coaches need to understand, Hey, you know, these kids need to develop and they need to do what they like. Um, because so many people get burnt out when they specialize early. Oh, a hundred percent. Definitely. I'm, I couldn't agree more. And, and even right now, like my son loves to go to soccer practice and, and loves to, to learn and, and be with his teammates and stuff. But right now, during you know isolation here, he does not want to practice on his own in the backyard. Even with me uh, you know, as a coach, he, he just doesn't want to do it. And so for me, it's, it's, it's really difficult where I'm like, well, you know, I'm, telling, I'm trying to tell him you know, other kids are going to practice. And so you might not be on the best team next year if you don't practice. But at the same time, I'm not going to force him to because, like you said, I don't want him to, to learn to hate soccer. Um, so I'm not going to force him to juggle or force him to do ball skills. Like uh, I want to tell him and, and show him that, you know, this is what you should be doing. And this is what other kids are doing. But ultimately, it's his, his choice um, and his drive. And I think that if, if, I, if, if I give him that freedom now, um, then he'll find it eventually. Yeah, just give him the option to, to make a decision on his own and, and give him some guidance along the way. And, and eventually that freedom will allow all kids to make better decisions down the road. So that's awesome. Uh, there's, there's something you said earlier that really jumped out at me. You were saying that when you were playing, you know, you played high school and your main goal was to just do well in high school. And then you got to college and then your main goal was to do well in college. Um, and you said that you knew that right out of high school, you weren't ready. And um, I love to use the word awareness because I think so many people aren't aware of where they're actually at and their skill set. I think a lot of people, for whatever reason, maybe think they're better than they are. Or they have overinflated egos. 
Um, but I love the fact that you're like, hey, listen, I was in high school and I just wasn't quite ready. Um, you know, being brutally aware of your your skill set and your surroundings and the truth of your situation is is so important. And is that something that each step of the way you were always really brutally honest with yourself about, you know, what what you were capable of and what you could and couldn't do? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, I think part of that I learned in high school as well, kind of that mentality um, of being self-critical, of being self-aware, and also of, you know, never getting too high, never getting too low. And I know that that goes into confidence a little bit and um, an ego and, and self, ego in yourself. But, um, you know, I think it's important, um, no matter what your profession is um, or what your level in that profession is, it's, it's important to understand your role and, and your, your, limitations and what you can bring to the company and what you can bring to your team. Um, so I, I think I always had a pretty good understanding of what I could bring and what I couldn't bring. And I knew that I, shoot, I wasn't ready as a high schooler to be a professional. I wasn't, I had the opportunity after my sophomore year of college to turn pro. I had a contract offer from MLS and, um, you know, I talked it over with my college coach and we, we together decided like, uh, the, uh, even though the opportunity was there, I wasn't ready. Um, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was ready um, for that opportunity, and I wasn't ready. So I took another year in college, and I think it benefited me. Yeah, that that's going to be a tough one, right? Because all of a sudden you get this opportunity to go big time and to actually say, you know what, I'm going to pump the brakes, I'm going to play another year, and then do it is. Uh, it's pretty awesome because during that year that you, you know, that extra year you played in college, so many things could have happened, right? I mean, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, but um, that's, that's, that's a cool little story. I didn't know that about you. So let me ask you this, looking back at your career, um, are there any scenarios or any situations where you felt like you were just spinning your wheels or maybe you made some decisions that weren't optimal and how, how have those I don't want to say mistakes because mistakes seems negative, but how have those lessons uh, impacted your mindset and what you're doing today? Yeah, I can think of uh, one right off the bat um, where I had moved over to Denmark <clears throat> following my time in New England. And shortly after my time there, they wanted me to play outside back. And I was always a center back, um, you know, ever, ever since... I was probably 10 years old and, um, you know, going over to Europe, I wanted to prove that I could play center back. Yeah. You know, even in, you know, physical leagues over there and that I could do it. So, uh, I fought it and they wanted me to play right back. And I kind of, you know, you can't tell coach no. Um, but I went there and I didn't, I honestly didn't buy in. I didn't give it everything I had because, you know, purposely I kind of wanted to show like, well, I don't really want to play here. Play me at center back. That's where I'm going to be best. And, um, you know, looking back, that was a mistake because about a year and a half after that, and that year and a half, uh, I had some success at center back. I, I was in and out a little bit. Um, so not as, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, uh, consistent as, as I had been with the revs, as far as playing and playing at a high level. Um, we got a new coach and he had a conversation with me saying, you know, he thinks that I could be one of the best right backs in the league and do really well. And so, you know, at that point I was like, you know what, 
screw it. I'm going to buy in. I'm going to, I'm going to give it everything I got here. And, um, it turned out to be a great decision, uh, by the coach. It turned out to be a great thing for me. I played awesome there. Uh, I really learned to enjoy it. It brought me back to the national team. Um, so, you know, it gave me a, a lot of great success and, um, you know, had I not fought it earlier in my career and, and um, been selfish about it, um, you know, it, it could have started a little bit earlier. Wow, that's an interesting story. I've never, I, I never knew that. I mean, obviously, we we stayed in touch somewhat over the years, but um, yeah, I mean, people need to understand that you need to be versatile. And um, I remember, <laughs> I remember hearing like one of my son's lacrosse teammates being like saying to the coach, "I'm an attacker," and I'm sitting there going, "Dude, you're like seven. Like you need to learn to play everything, but that same lesson, you learn that same lesson as a professional. You're like, you know what? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a defensive midi. It's like, well, no, you're, we need you to play right back. And at first you, like you said, you weren't really too keen on it, but then after you, you moved over to that position and you learned. So, um, I guess the lesson there is to, you know, you know, be a little bit more open-minded and be, you know, as a, as an athlete, specifically soccer, be as versatile as possible because it could make the, it could make a significant difference in your career. Which oh, it did. Definitely. Absolutely. And yo, I, I, I encourage all kids to play as many positions as possible um, for as long as they can. It, you know, it just gives you a better understanding of what your teammates are going through as well. Um, when you're playing in your normal position, like if, if you've played all the other positions, you know, you know what to expect of them, you know how it is to play those positions. Um, so that's important too. Um, but also just for you for your own sake yeah to have that versatility as professionals i mean some of the most important guys on our teams uh throughout my career were guys that could be plugged in at different positions and how important they were to the team um you know and that i wanted to get in um going back to that last question was like knowing your role within a team is so important right not everybody is going to be the superstar or the president or the ceo or something but that doesn't mean you know, not everyone is important and has an important role. And I, I think in order to have success, you know, not not only as a soccer player or an athlete, but anything is to know your role within uh, the company, to buy into that role and, and to do that role to the best of your ability. Yeah, that's an awesome message. Um, you know, obviously you you shared a little bit about your career, but what was, were there some, some rituals or some habits that you did throughout your professional career that you felt gave you the ability to have such a long 15 year career? What, were there some daily things you did or what, what do you feel like were the key components to keeping you in the game for 15 years? Yeah, I think that, um, well, first and foremost is, is taking care of the body. Um, you know, learning that at a, at a younger age was important for me, um, you know, and, and getting into a routine of doing your exercises, of taking care of your body. It's one thing to know, okay, it's important to take an ice bath. It's important to stretch and foam roll and, and weight lift and things. But it's another thing to actually implement a routine of, you know, when are you going to get it done? How are you going to do it? Um you know, and I think that I got better at that as my career went on of understanding what my body needed, um, from week to week, day to day, um, in order for it to feel optimal, um, come game time. And, um, you know, it's, it started back in the day, honestly, with my weightlifting sessions with you. I mean, playing for the New England Revolution, we didn't have a gym, we didn't have a strength coach, we didn't have anything. 
So that was up to us as individual players to, if you wanted to lift, to go do it on your own. Um, and, and that can be a big ask of even a professional athlete. Um, but a few of us, you know, took it under our own belts to, to, to find you and, um, you know, work out with you. And, uh, I'm grateful for the things that you taught me about, um, a, a lot of different workouts. I mean, the importance of band work and hamstring strength, um, you know, stuck with me for a really, for my whole career, honestly, um, you know, kettlebell work, little things, um, you know, that, that was really important for me to learn at, at a young age. And I'm glad I did because, you know, not everybody does and not everybody buys in and then their body breaks down. And like we talked about in order to have success for a really long time as an athlete, you, your body has to, uh, live up to it. Your body has to be up to it. And, um, you have to treat it well in order for it to treat you well. And I learned that at a young age and developed those routines of, you know, stretching before practice and foam rolling after and ice baths daily. Um, nutrition became a big thing, um, you know, always had been, but even more so as, as my career went on. You know, one of the things I always talk about is being a 24-7 athlete. And uh, I, I remember people talking or people asking questions at Q and A's kind of like, Oh, what is your, what's your work schedule like? And when I was young in my career, I remember saying like, Oh, you know, I get in around eight and I'm out by 1231. Like, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And people would, you know, I can see people be jealous and laugh and stuff. But then as my career progressed a little bit, you know, I start to understand it a little bit more and, uh, it's, it's 24 seven. Yeah. That I might only be in the, the facility from, 7:30 to 1 or whatever it is but how i sleep and how i eat and how i rest in the afternoons all of that is is part of my job and goes into my performance and uh on on the weekends or even for practice and how i'm going to be able to perform and how i'm going to get my next contract so uh you know those those were lessons learned throughout my career um but routines were so so important on a week to week basis yeah. And, and that's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's good to hear. Good to hear that I at least had a little bit of an impact on your, your career early on. But, you know, one of the things that I see with soccer players is um, a lot of them early on focus on two things, playing and running. And they don't do all of those other things until later in life, like even college or maybe even to the, at the pro level. But a lot of people think, well, I just need to play more soccer and I just need to run more. And um, that may work for some people and that may work for some people for a limited amount of time. But like you said, if you want to have a long career, you need to learn to do all of those other things besides something that's soccer related, i.e., you know, uh, practice scrimmage games and conditioning, right? Cause so many soccer players just think that's all they need to do. Um, but it's, it's so refreshing to hear that, you know, strength training and sleep and nutrition, like you said, it's, it's a 24 seven, um, you're a 24 seven athlete. And that is something that I, I wish more people would understand because it's not just the time that you're physically exercising. It's, it's everything else. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, and people might smirk or, or laugh when I say, you know, I was a big gym guy throughout my career because I, you know, I, when you look at me, you know, it's not like, and, and by gym, I'm not saying like I bench pressed, you know, I've had shoulder issues my whole career and stuff. So I barely bench pressed, you know, I'm not, you know, uber strong. I don't have biceps, you know, like I'm going to the, the beach, um, 
you know, it's not those type of muscles, you know, it's a lot of core work and hamstring strength and, um, you know, negatives, you know, as far as calf, calf, you know, two up, one down and band work. Um, it, it's, it's all that stuff to take care of your body and the small little muscles that keep you going and, and stretching and, and some yoga. Uh, you know, it, it does, it, it's, it's a lot and, um, it's, it's all encompassing and it all matters. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's that prehab work, it's that rehab work, it's doing those little things that aren't very sexy, but knowing that those are the things that are going to keep you healthy. Um, one of my one of my mentors, uh, Pavel Satsulin, he, he always said that, you know, strength training is your steak and potatoes, right? But, uh, you know, those will get you really strong. But all of the other corrective work is like eating your vegetables, those, that's what's going to keep you healthy. And it's important to do both. Because if you only did all of that prehab work, you would never get really strong and never get really conditioned. But if all you did was have the gas pedal down, eventually you're, you're going to break down. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny to, to hear, you know, everything that this is the stuff that we try to instill in high school athletes. And they think that they're, you know, that we're just trying to sell them something, but, um, it's, it's funny to interview athletes that have been around forever and, Listen, I don't even have to say anything about what I do because you guys, you guys already do it for me. <laughs> so um, that's uh, that's really good to hear. Um, so let me ask you this: What have you been up to now? You've retired. Soccer is is uh, is in the past, and what have you been up to these days? Yeah, so I didn't. I, well, first and foremost, I didn't want to get into a, a full time job uh, right away because you know my wife gave up. She, she gave up her career for a long time for me to do my thing and she supported me and moving all around the world and now she wants to start up her career as a a woman's health physical, physical therapist um and she's super excited to do that so i want to give her the opportunity to do that and so you know that means making sure that i'm there for the kids after school um i don't want to travel on weekends because i want to the thing that brings me the most joy right now is going to my kids sporting events and being there to watch them or, or help out and coach. Um, so that takes away from basically any type of coaching right now at a, on a full-time basis. So, um, I knew that right away. So what I started with, and, and this kind of fell into my lap a little bit, I wasn't expecting it at all, but, um, I, I signed on with a, a tech company called Rippleworks and they've got a, a platform that they use in the corporate world, but I'm bringing it into the soccer world. So it's keeping me connected to, to people in the soccer world. And, um, it, it, it's a way for teams to, to communicate and to watch video and, um, to schedule and calendar and all that stuff, um, just more efficiently and effectively. And I think it's an awesome thing. So that's why, um, I'm signed on with them and helping them out and, and trying to bring this into the soccer world. Um, but I also was working out a little bit with um, the Atlanta United Academy here, helping out with some of the younger age groups um, while, while they were training, um, you know, but then we'll relocate into to Columbus, Ohio here soon. And uh, I don't know uh, exactly what I'll do. I'll continue to work for, for ripple, um, you know, cause I can do that remotely, but um you know, I'll stay in, involved in the game somehow, some way. Uh, I don't know the capacity yet, but um, I'm going to enjoy a lot more time uh, with the kids and at home for sure. Awesome. Um, a few more questions for you. So 
you know, I know you're transitioning into kind of a different career at this point and you're, you know, you're being a family man, you're, you're supporting your wife, which is, which is awesome because I feel like taking turns and supporting one another is so important to a, to a, a healthy marriage. But let me ask you this, how has your success as a, a pro athlete helped you in your, uh, your professional career, but obviously, you know, it's still, still early, but how has the mindset helped you thus far and how has being a pro athlete maybe impacted you as a, you know, being a dad? Yeah, well, I, I'll answer this, the second one first. So I think that, um, you know, being a pro athlete and, and going through, um, all the stages of, of soccer and, and youth sports and stuff, I can tell you when I, when I go to watch my son's game, uh, I'm, I'm the guy that's always in the corner of the field watching the game by myself. Um, don't, don't say a word the whole game, you know, maybe I'll clap every now and then if it's, if it's a good goal or something, but you know, completely silent over there on the side. I don't even like to be around the parents that are yelling because it, it annoys me too much. Um, so that's, that's one lesson I learned, you know, growing up. Um, but then also like, like we talked about earlier, not putting pressure on my kid, letting him decide, uh, what he wants to do. And my daughter, I mean, my daughter made it pretty, pretty known early on what she felt of soccer. I mean, she would come to my games with, with books and coloring books and, um, she could care less about what was going on, on, on the field, uh, which was fine. Um, but my son, you know, he, he loves it. Um, but honestly, I, I don't pressure him to play if he wants to play baseball or anything. As long as he's playing something, uh, I honestly don't care what it is. Um, you know, but I think that um, you know, my career and, and being a professional athlete has taught me, you know, how important preparation is, uh, how important taking care of your body is. You know, so even though I'm not um, working out much right now or, um, have any expectations to run a marathon or anything like that. I still do small exercises to, to make sure that my back and my hips and my knees aren't going to be bothering me too much. So I think that's important to understand, you know, what you need to do in order to, to feel healthy because everybody wants to feel healthy, but also from a mindset of, of preparation. And, and now I've, you know, I'm new to these zoom meetings and, and, and before zoom meetings, it was regular f- meetings and, and, um, you know, being prepared for these things and understanding that, um, you know, you only get in what you, what you put out, you know, you only get out of it, what you put into it. Right. So I can't show up to these meetings unprepared. Um, just like I would never show up to preseason without doing some fitness or, or to a game without watching video on an opponent or anything like that. Um, so it's, it's really taught me, um, you know, how to be prepared, the importance of that, um, time management as well. You know, I think that being a college athlete, that was one of the biggest things that I got out of it was, was time management. You know, how, how do you manage classes and getting there and study hall and doing all the work, but also, um, training and, and weightlifting and all the things that are required of you as, as a collegiate athlete. Uh, so the, that was super important for me to learn. Um, so yeah, I do feel prepared. I don't know exactly, um, like I said, what I'll be doing full time for the rest of my life or anything, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm confident that, um, you know, I've made good connections and, um, I've got 
the ability to jump into whatever it is, um, you know, because of what I've been through. Awesome. Awesome. And, and, and definitely, um, you know, being, uh, being a dad and, and being a parent is, it's, it's another, it's, you know, speaking from experience, it's so different yet. It's, it's, it's quite similar because you have to go in, you have to be patient. You have to try to make the right choices. Um, there's going to be days where you're frustrated. There's going to be days where it's going all your way. So I think, you know, growing up as an athlete and being a parent, um, there's definitely some similarities. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we talk about in the soccer field, like you have some good days and some bad days, right? But it's all about keeping that level head. And just like in parenting, especially these days, right? It's You've got good days and you've got some really tough days, uh, bad days. And, you know, it's how do you deal with it and how do you react and then, you know, get up the next morning with a, a new mindset of, hey, it's a new day. I put that one behind me, um, you know, keeping the confidence of, you know, even family life of, yeah, we, we, we can, we can do this. We can do the homeschooling, you know, we can still enjoy ourselves. Um, you know, so there are definitely some correlations there. Yeah. Especially right now with the quarantine and, and, uh, yesterday I, I felt bad, but I had to tell my, my four-year-old son, he just loves to talk. If someone's walking down the street, he will talk to them and he loves our neighbors and our neighbors are amazing. But I literally had to like, tell my son, Hey, um, you can't, you know, you can't get too close to the neighbors right now which is the complete backwards thing that I would normally say, right? Normally I'd be like, get outside and play. Now I have to be like, all right, well, you can get outside and play, but you just can't get too close. And try, you know, convincing a four-year-old to be like, okay, bud, stay six feet apart. Like he's, <laughs> that didn't even register. So it was so weird. I said that to my wife. I'm like, I just had to tell my kid to not play with the neighbor, essentially, which is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Oh, absolutely. It is definitely not. It's bananas. But all right, let me ask you this. What, what advice would you give young athletes, you know, looking to play college and play professional sports? Obviously, you know, you were a soccer player, but what, what, what are three non-negotiable things that you would tell these young athletes that they should really focus on? Um, I think number one, I think would be a no particular order um would be to have the self-drive to not rely on a coach or a parent to push you um you know even throughout my career you know you come across coaches and you come across some training staff um and personnel who want the best for you and are willing to go that extra mile to help you and stuff but on the whole, for for the most part, you know, you got to do it yourself. You know, you have to, nobody cares more about your career than yourself. And you need to have that attitude of like putting yourself first. You know, we, we I know that uh, I'm talking about a team game and, um, you know, it's important to buy into the team and, and it absolutely is. But at the end of the day, you also have to focus on yourself. And, and part of that is being prepared and putting the work in and uh, not being relying on other people to motivate you and, and to force you. I was never, you know, I was captain of a couple teams and a leader 
throughout my career, but I was never a rah-rah guy because I never needed to be rah-rahed. You know, I didn't need a coach or, or a player to pump me up for a game or give me a motivational speech or anything like that. Like that motivation was from within. And I, I think that's important because that's what drives you, right? That's, that's what I want my son to find uh, sometime, you know, on his own. You know, I, I don't want to be the nagging person that, hey, did you run today? Did you lift today? Did you get better today? Like that's got to come from within. And if it's not, then you're not playing the right sport or you're not going to be able to do it at an elite level. Yeah. You're relying on discipline, not motivation. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Awesome. All right. So that's number one. Number two. Um, number two. Um, oh, what was I just thinking? Jeez, I just had something in my head. If you don't, if you can't remember, don't worry about it. It was just, you know, non-negotiable things you would, you would tell young athletes. Yeah. Um, no, I'm trying to remember. Shoot. Oh, it was a good one too. Like, uh, I went on this tangent. Um, God, I find this happening more and more as, uh, as I'm getting older. I'm only 36. <laughs> this is not a good sign. Like, That's a- this is not a good sign. Too many, too many, uh, you know, too many headers and going up for too many balls in the air, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, no, but uh, what what else is super important? Um, um, the love of the game, obviously. We talked about finding that motivation within. Um, man, Jesus, you'd think I, I would have better advice right now. I'm blanking. That's all right. Don't worry about it. Well, listen, bud. I won't. Uh, you know, I won't take any more of your time. <laughs> we can. We can. We're not going to edit this. I want people to uh, to you know, understand that we're all. You know, we all forget things, and especially in the middle of a quarantine. So, um, well, listen. If you uh, tell you what, if you uh, if you remember, shoot me a text after, and and we'll we'll make sure that we throw it in. But hey, listen, but I I don't want to take any more of your time. I know you're super busy. Um, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, hey, if I can help you in any way. Um, you know, please reach out. So thanks again, bud. Yeah, it's always my pleasure. I'm always so appreciative of, of what you what you provided for me and for the other guys that worked out with you way back in the day. Um, you know, we learned so much, and it was it was an awesome opportunity for us to be able to 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 work out there and with you. Um, you know, to give me that good guidance early in my career, honestly. So um, honestly, my pleasure to come on and, and talk to you. Um, so thank you. All right, buddy. Hey, man, thanks again and be safe. Yeah, good talking to you. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. It's your host, Mike. I just wanted to take a few moments to say thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate your support. If you did enjoy the podcast, I'm going to ask you for a couple favors. One, please share the podcast with your family, friends, and loved ones. Two, please give us a positive review in the App Store. Thanks so much. Be safe and God bless.